The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, and as I record this introduction, a potential, potentially record-breaking storm is about to bear down on Washington, D.C. In fact, I'm trying to get this in before I potentially lose power. My devices are charged. I have a quick dinner plan. Hopefully, if it does come our way, the damage will be minimal and my flight to Maine takes off without a hitch tomorrow. Listeners, this is not the main trip that I take every summer, but a pre-trip, so to speak, to attend my high school reunion. I'm not going to say which year I graduated, but needless to say, our guest today was not born when I graduated from high school. Ryan Smith is the chair of the Utah Federation of College Republicans, and he's passionate about solving climate change. A finance major at Utah State University, he resuscitated the College Republican Club at USU when he first got to campus four years ago, and now he's running it for the entire state. He's committed to engaging in tough conversations about the issues he's passionate about, passionate about including climate change, and helping especially younger people get engaged with the issues that they likewise care about. He first caught our attention through an op-ed he wrote, which I will link in the show notes, I proceeded to cyberstalk him, and here we are today. He's truly an inspiration, and I guarantee you this will not be the first time you hear his name out of our mouths. So, without further ado, my conversation with Ryan Smith. Welcome back, listeners. Super excited today to be talking to Ryan Smith from the Utah Federation of College Republicans. Ryan, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Chelsea. Thanks for not running when I cyberstalked you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, you, with that, um, you wrote that great op-ed, which I will link in the show notes, that really caught our eye because, to me, you really represent um, the future, uh, well, the present and the future of what needs to happen with climate change. You don't see this as a partisan issue. You look at it as a crisis that needs to be solved and maybe you can take your your solutions and bring them to the table and and have a discussion. I think we need more of that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, a c- climate policy is really important for our country and to really if we really want to be able to solve this, we have to have both Democrats and Republicans working together and I think when Republicans are really going to be the ones and, and those that lean maybe more right are the ones that are going to come in and really help uh, come up with great solutions for our issues because we look at things from a little different lens. We look at it, how can innovation, free market, how can we do things a little differently that I I think tend to work a little bit better? I think sometimes you see Band-Aid fixes is what I call them in the environmental movement, and we have to have substantial things that are going to you know, ha- help fix our, our the issues we have. And, and it's very broad, obviously, the issues that we, that we, that we face. Well, um, our executive director, Bob Inglis, likes to say that conservatives really are the most important people in this movement because of, for everything you just said, they haven't been the ones that have been the loudest and they haven't been the ones most at the table. 
but what has been happening isn't working. Yes. And, you know, somebody that's worked in environmental policy for a long time, I think what happens is that by the time you get any sort of measure passed, it's been diluted so much that then it ends up not being as effective. So everyone goes, well, what's the point of that? And not speaking specifically of climate change, but other other things I've worked on in the past. And so we don't have time, right, to mess around. We have to we have to find those things. And I like what you're saying about, you know, this we need to not just think about climate change as an environmental issue, right? It it really is an economic issue. It's something that's embedded pretty much in everything that we do yeah. and all the issues we care about as a nation. Exactly. I think a lot of people see it as reducing emissions is the only thing that they focus on, but but really, there's so many uh, you know effects. Look at immigration. Look at uh, how, you know, uh, island nations that will be completely covered and will have to basically, you know, go out with ships and uh, rescue those people at some point. I mean, nations will literally be swallowed up by the ocean. Uh, and so I, I think we're too far gone for some of those uh, things. But but there's other things that we can still solve. You know, I lived in Brazil for a time and Brazil's rainforest, there's regions of it that are actually losing their, uh, they're not as wet any longer and they're becoming more dry. And these are kind of bordering regions. So there's, there's issues. This is a global issue, but there's things we can do as the United States. I think we get too focused on sometimes, well, everybody has to be doing something, but we have to remember, well, we can't control other countries, but we can control what happens in the United States. And that's kind of the approach that I take. Yeah. And I think the immigration point is really a good one. And something that people don't think often about is there will be climate migration, right? There will be Mm -hmm. um, people who will lose their homes and not just the island nations here at home. Think about Alaska. There are native tribes in Alaska that are going to need to be relocated that have been where they are for thousands of years. And that even the smallest community is so expensive to relocate. And then you're losing the the history, your connection to that land. And then you look at a state like Florida too, right? The home insurance companies are fleeing the state it is going to be impossible to insure a home. So no bank is going to give a mortgage to somebody without the insurance to go along with it, right? Because it's their investment. Mm-hmm. So I think we are going to see a mass exodus of people, you know, a big movement of people, I guess I should should say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that we will. And, you know, like you pointed out in the beginning, this is an issue that's so important. And it's important to, you know, I'm a 21 year old and going on 22 this month here in a week, but you know, this is an issue that matters to us. And my, you mentioned my op-ed, you know, the Pew Research Center said that 73% of 18 to 39-year-old Republicans think that climate change is a big issue, is a concerning event. And so whether people, you know, in, in the Republican Party necessarily like it or not, that's a big issue. That's a big issue for people who are our age. You know, I've I've told people I said because you know you still have climate change deniers. You have people who don't believe, and I said I always say it doesn't always matter what's you know it's the policies are good. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. It's and and you know what's funny sometimes there's people who don't necessarily believe in climate change, and it's funny because when we actually talk some policy, we actually agree on a lot of the policy parts right. and you know energy we, talking about how this is a broad topic look at how important energy making sure that we're using the right energy resources you know what's what does solar work in certain areas what how does wind work in certain areas how does nuclear 
work or geothermal. Um, and, and there's a lot of different types of energies. And I think there's some misconceptions um, uh, among the, the energy space, especially around nuclear. And, you know, there's been a lot of innovation. There's been a lot of changes. And I think we'll the way that we get energy during my lifetime will have such a dramatic shift. And it's not being anti, I'm not anti-fossil fuels in the sense that, you know, I hate fossil fuels. What I, I just think that it'll become, it's just going to become more reasonable, cleaner, um, and probably more cost efficient to start using other energies over time, regardless. And so we're shifting towards that way anyways. I mean, we see cars on, you know, electric vehicles. So I think that shift is happening. We just need to make sure that we're putting the right, you know, incentives and, 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 in place for the the proper innovation and the proper progress for our nation to take. Well, and I think you live in a state being in Utah that is really going to be a bellwether on conservative leadership and climate change, because not only is it a state that has an economic interest, right? Your tourism mm-hmm. industry, ski, I, you know, my, my aunt and uncle retired to Utah because my uncle is a huge skier and wanted to be close to the slopes. They just left Utah. They were, um, you know, I mean, the the bottom line is that I think that there are a lot of impacts your state is feeling, but also you have great leadership in your yeah. elected officials. So what you were saying at the beginning of the show about we need Democrats and Republicans together, that's something that Mr. Curtis, John Curtis says yeah. quite frequently, right? That, you know, we can't not be at the table or we're on the menu, I think is one of his quotes. And um, so yeah, he's been a great leader and part, I think of what inspired him was that when he was mayor of Provo, you know, he was, he, I mean, I love these cute stories about how he rode his bike to work and stuff like he was mm-hmm. taking some personal responsibility, but he was really, and it continues to be motivated by the fact that he has so many young people in his district. So yeah. what we're saying about those Pew, um, polls that does move the needle for people. Yeah. So we need more young people in I guess some of these reluctant lawmakers districts, <laughs> or we need people to be louder. Yeah. It's always uh, the minority that's loudest. It's always when you're at, uh, you know, political events, uh, you're always going to have an older, older group there. And, and and I think a lot of people can be convinced and a lot of people can understand because really I can talk with, with these individuals and say, look, let's, let's do more car. Let's talk about carbon capture. Let's talk about nuclear. Let's talk about, you know, all these issues that really, I think they're, they agree. I think conservatives are naturally environmentalists. We're the ones that own guns. We like to hunt. We like to fish. We like to be outdoors. Uh, You know, I'm a huge skier. Uh, I love being outdoors. I want to continue that. I want my kids and grandkids to be able to, to ski and to enjoy, enjoy that. I mean, the greatest snow on earth here in Utah. So as they say, so, you know, it's, we as conservatives, you know, Teddy Roosevelt was was a conservationist. You know, naturally, I think that we do have a history as Republicans of caring about the environment. And, you know, my personal work, I work with cattle and ranchers. Um, and these are the people that are out on these ranges. They're out in the mountains and they care. And so I think deep down they care, at, you know, p- pollution. I mean, they hate when people leave around, you know, as as all of us do when they leave around trash, when mm-hmm. when people aren't aren't uh, being environmentally conscious. And I think it's, it's about us waking up and and noticing. Um, I I know we, we talked earlier about maybe talking a little bit about, you know, my experience as a young person and up on campus, because that's been, that's been a really interesting experience. 
for sure. Tell us. We're dying to yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting to be on campus. How I really got first into this uh, movement was uh, Young Conservatives for Carbon Dividends. There was someone who was a, a regional director named Andrew Sandstrom, and he he came and spoke. We had him come speak to campus. We became friends, and he, you know, started teaching me about this these policies and and the importance. And I I became convinced. And uh, being on campus, being a college Republicans chair at Utah State, and I, I refounded that club and got it started. We've got quite a few club members now. I'm, now I'm for the whole over the whole state and hoping to to help us grow. But it's an issue. Environmental issues is an issue that I see interest with college and young, you know, Republicans. This is an issue that matters. And this is an issue that matters with independents. So if you want to talk about winning elections, if you want to talk about things that are going to help Republicans keep our policies that we need we have to focus on conservative environmental movement i mean that's important to people and as conservatives we can't be you know this group that stands and says no we have to offer our own solutions and i think environmental we've seen a lot of that over the last you know five ten years within the conservatives is we don't want to be like california we don't want to be where our energy fluctuates uh, worse than the stock market prices, right? Mm. We don't want to be a, a state that that I we don't have reliable energy, or we don't we don't we we don't want the Green New Deal as uh, conservatives. So, what can we offer in place, and what are some free market based ideas? And I see that really a lot of young people are interested in in, in that movement. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. I think it's really important to for people to sort of, as you said earlier, maybe you're not like, well, I want to reduce greenhouse gases, but you want to have a thriving energy sector, right? Or maybe you want to pay the lowest cost for your energy. And when solar and wind prices are lower than the price of coal, then why wouldn't you want to tap into that? And I think a lot of these issues take a really conservative approach. A lot of these policies, you know, YCCD has their policies, I would say that, you know, one of them has to do with, you know, kind of punishing China for putting like a tax. Now, different conservatives would like that, some wouldn't, but there's conservative approaches. And one issue that I think still, uh, you know, somewhat involves environmental issues that I see is so crucial is minerals. And how a lot of Americans do not know and realize that we are completely reliant on China for minerals and for minerals that have to go into our military equipment. I want medicine. We're not talking about, you know, just, you know, a bike or something like that we're talking about things that are important to national defense. I love the free trade, believe in free trade, love getting stuff outside the U.S. But in my opinion, we need to increase domestic um, production of minerals and as Conservative, that's important. And then also, let's try to, to import minerals from places like South America, which are rich. And there are allies, you know, they're, they're, they're allies. But it's very dangerous, in my opinion, yeah. that we are so reliant on a country like China, where um, Congressman, I think, was it Blake Moore or who I was talking with that was talking about, like, if we shut off the minerals, if China just shut off, we wouldn't be able to produce some military equipment within a matter of days. I mean, that's... Right crazy to be so reminded. We would be really hamstrung. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And that just reminds me of, um, this was, you know, probably 10 years or so ago, I was at a congressional hearing 
related to this, where it was a retired flag officer, I think from um, maybe from the Navy, who had been like an admiral or something in the Navy. And he said, you know, China missed the Industrial Revolution. China was late to the communication revolution. China wants to own the energy revolution. And, you know, yes, we rely on those minerals for more than just EV batteries and solar panels and stuff, but we rely on them for those too. So in a way they are, and if they're going to produce, you know, when I bought solar panels for my house, it was very important to me that I was buying panels that were U.S. produced because I knew I was getting a really generous tax credit. And so that's your tax dollar. You know, we all pay into the, this big pot that then gets dispersed out. And so I wanted to make sure that I was spending that on something that was American made. And so I think, you know, it is what you're saying is really crucial. Like China kind of has us in a little bit of a chokehold. Yeah, they do. And then I think it's something that's unfortunate that I think a lot of Americans don't even know about. And I think if they did, they would they would be talking to their congressional and leaders and saying, you know, their congressmen and senators saying, what are we doing? You know, why aren't, why aren't, why? I I, I think it's crazy, you know, and, and I think the reason people don't understand is they say, oh, we're getting it from Africa. No, China owns all those, China owns most of the, the mines. Uh, yeah. The mines and, stuff. <laughs> and I think, I think that's where people get a little confused is they say, oh, we're getting it from these other places, but we have to say, who's the actual owner? And that's just one issue that, that's uh that deals and there's a plethora of issues and i just see i see young people uh caring about this especially you know it's and it's not just right it's li- liberals independents conservatives who are young that are caring about this issue and i just see the republicans and and our need uh i know that this podcast is eco right so yeah. we had the 2022 midterms and yeah. you know we we kind of flopped on those and if we want to be able to win we have to win win elections, and and one of the big things that I see on college campuses is you have this really large cluster of of students who are centrist. Mm-hmm. They're really just centrist. They they're kind of disillusioned with both parties, yeah. and I think Republicans have a really great opportunity to pull some of them in. Sometimes they're just center right, but they just they're like oh, I don't like the rhetoric or I don't like certain yeah. things, and maybe they don't feel like we're addressing the issues that they that they they care about. And I think if we're able to really talk, really communicate better, I think we're already doing this. I think we're already, we care about it. We just aren't quite, you know, bringing, bridging the gap and, and communicating very well. Okay. This is what conservatives believe in with, we actually do care about the the environment. Here's some ways that we're, we're trying to do some things. I think that's right. And I think actually most of the electorate probably is somewhere in the middle, right? Um, The fringes tend to be the loudest. So that's who you hear from the most. And the media makes it seem like they're a bigger percentage than they might be. But I think what you're saying is right. People are in the middle and they want somebody who is going to embrace the uh, policies and solutions for the things they care about. And so to the extent that those 18 to 39 year olds that you referenced care so much about climate change, this has to rise to an issue. It has to be a a voting booth issue, right? Like that, we're just at the point now where we can't really afford to keep punting. And, you know, I also think not to be ageist, but we have some older people serving, especially in the Senate. And so how does somebody who's in their 80s or 90s necessarily relate to someone who is 21, right? And I will give a very personal example. 
my son is also 21. Uh, so you must be a senior. Are you going into senior year? Yes. Yes. So my son's a senior in college. And my father was like, well, young people don't vote. And I was like, mm. <laughs> more than getting his driver's license, my son cared about being able to register to vote, right? Like that was something he was really looking forward to. And I don't know anyone in your generation, my friend's kids only, you know, not an official poll, but just watching my friend's kids who don't participate in every election. And I think that is a mentality that he has from past generations. Like surely my generation wasn't as active probably when we were your age, but that's the past. And so if you're just going to dismiss somebody because they're young, I think that's really a big mistake. You have fresh ideas and different ways of looking at issues and also a different set of priorities than the older lawmakers might have or might be used to hearing from their constituents. About. Yeah. Well, and diversity of opinions takes a lot of different uh, different ways. One of those being an age, right? Mm -hmm. We can have different uh, viewpoints based off of age. And one important thing to 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 think about is why do young people care about this? Well, because we're young and we're going to be alive for the next 60, yep. 70. Hopefully yep. I'm alive for 80 years, but, <laughs> and, and, and we'd like to live in a, in a nice, a nice world. And uh, just kind of to, to quickly touch on, I think there's so many brave individuals who are, who are speaking out on this. And I think it's important to, to relate, you know, conservatives have made a lot of progress yeah. over the last five years, yeah. the amount of people talking about things, you know, Congressman Curtis starting the conservative climate caucus. I mean, sh big shout out to him. Yeah. Shout out to people like, you know, Congressman Blake Moore from my district, mm -hmm. who I think is a great congressman and is willing to speak out and isn't afraid. And these are brave people because when you speak out on issues like this, you're going to get attacked. Have yeah. I gotten attacked? Yeah. I get attacked sometimes mm -hmm. by people, um, comments or texts or whatever that don't like what I'm talking about and think that I'm, I'm not conservative enough. And we know what's funny. I'm actually on the more conservative side of the party. I am very conservative, in fact, but I see the need for us to be a part of these conversations. I see the need for us to be taking action. And so you can be very conservative and still care about these issues sure. and be a part of it. And I think that that's, that's something that's unfortunate that there's, there's people uh, that choose to call out others. You know, I've seen it in my own state where, a certain individual who's political, he chooses to, you know, attack people who are, who are speaking out on, on these issues. But the thing is, you know, I know this isn't about maybe elections and stuff. It's about the actual policy, but I just think, wow, you know, why, why do you think we lose every, we're going to keep losing by large margins with young people? Why do you think we're going to lose with these? We have to get our messaging right because Republican and conservative values, at least in my mind, are, are good values. And if we want them to continue, we want them to, we have to start addressing issues like, like climate, like immigration. There's, yeah. there's a lot of issues, but this, we're talking about climate. Climate is a big issue. Environment is a big issue for young people. I can't stress that enough. So Ryan, look, you talked about the future. Um, what does the future hold for you as far as you can tell? Are you, do you have plans for after you graduate or do you have a career in mind that you are hoping to uh, get into? Yeah, you know, I'm very entrepreneurial. My degree's in finance. I want to be an entrepreneur, but I always want to have a hand in, you know, public policy. I want to have a hand in, in serving my community. I, I'd love to run for state representative one day. You know, you never know. Maybe you'll run for, I'll run for a, a more prominent office. But I think what I've learned being in politics is you get involved and you kind of feel like you have to because you see issues, you see problems. 
and you see the ability for you to make change. I'm 21 and I'm talking with congressmen. I have a, one of their phone numbers. I'm talking with, with, you know, state leaders. I'm, I'm helping pass legislation and I'm just a normal person who just liked politics when he was in high school. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, whether you're young or old, a misconception is that you can't make a change. I'm going to tell you right now, you can make those changes. You can be a part of these conversations. And if you care about issues, get off of Facebook and making long posts, long comments and making and take a stand. I'm not talking you have to you know, be a chair of Utah College Republicans. You can do things in so many ways. And the impact that we can make as a nation when more Americans say, I'm going to serve my country, I'm going to I'm going to listen to what JFK said, ask what my country can do, what I can do for my country. Yeah. Well, what you can do is be involved, not just vote, but find other ways to be involved, because we can tackle these hard issues if we work together as Americans. And we need the voice of those that are reasonable and those that are willing to work with both sides. Ryan, I think that's a wonderful place to end. And someday I hope you come back and listen to this podcast and use some of that in a political speech, an acceptance speech or something, because I definitely see you in office rolling up your sleeves. And someday someone's going to be like, wow, I have a Congressman Smith's cell phone, like, (laughs) you know, saved my phone. And I think that everything you've just said is so important. It makes me feel good and it makes me feel hopeful for the future. So thank you for everything you do and for the inspiration that you um, bring to the table and for going out and and talking to people and having those conversations. It, It will make a difference. You are making a difference and we appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks, Chelsea, for having me on the podcast. It's been a, a lot of fun. Wow, Price. Talk about an episode that, you know, just to lift the veil for the listeners a little bit. Sometimes things happen. Neither you nor I have a, well, I don't have a background in any professional recording. You do. So, but, you know, we don't record in a studio. We don't have fancy equipment. And so listeners, we, I thought that I lost this recording. And I was devastated because I just really connected with Ryan. He was such a great interview. And his last statement that he made before we wrapped was just so perfect. And I thought we're never going to recreate it. And then we tried and I was in a bad Wi-Fi zone and it was just not working. So we, we just decided to do it later. He was about to go to Glacial National Park for a week. Anyway, today, the day that we're dropping this episode, it just reappeared in on my computer. I I I don't know why or how or what. I feel a little bit like a Luddite, but here we are. We have an episode price. I'm so glad I didn't let you down. Better late than never, just in the nick of time. You've never let me down. You've only lifted me up and you did that with your shocking text earlier. So <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, is we can now deliver this episode, albeit a few hours late, but it is still a Tuesday as I check this as you and I record, and as this episode number three of season seven drops. So, well done, All-Star, a multi-tool, multi-talented broadcaster (laughs) that you are. 
I'm not feeling much like an all-star after all those difficulties, but I am just really glad that we were able to get this episode back because all seriousness, Ryan is doing such great things in Utah. He is, you know, got his, his vision for what the world could look like and he's rolling up his sleeves and he's having at it. And I just have so much respect for him and uh, it was great to get him on the show. I, as I had mentioned in the episode, cyber stalked him when he wrote an op-ed that caught my eye and we featured it in Week in mm-hmm. Review, which those listeners that are not a member of our community can join. We'll get to that in a second. So just a little, put a little pin in that. And what's funny is I had already gone to like look him up and find his email mm-hmm. so that I could reach out but he, somebody had forwarded, forwarded him week in review. So he found us. And then it was, I mean, just this happy moment of like, yay, ta-da, let's do something. And, and we're going to do some events with him, right? In Utah. That we are uh, excited to dive headfirst with Ryan because having him on the podcast and working with him on some upcoming program programming for next year uh, in Utah. So excited to work with him and uh, excited to find him, excited to meet him in that young leadership, uh, a problem solving that you heard him talk about. It's just uh, to say it's desperately needed is just going way, (laughs) way understated. So, so I hear that loud crackle of thunder, outside and then yet another thunderstorm passing here in the deep south um, <laughs> excited to have ryan on on with us because like you said we're excited to work with him and and move forward in, in doing some um, some important work in utah a place that we do uh spend a good bit of time so um want to shout out before we go any further chelsea couple new members mm-hmm. uh juan h in hawaii scott b in california Christy in Illinois, Joe J in Florida, Tony M in Ohio. Uh, you can sign up to stand with us at republican.org forward slash join. Take seconds. We would love to have you stand with us. Um, and we shout out a few m- new members every week. And speaking of Hawaii, my goodness, uh, just a quick shout out, thoughts and prayers to those folks um, in the Lahaina area who've been devastated by the most devastating uh destructive fire in our nation's history i mean yeah. i i you see the pictures of, of lahaina and, and that entire community it looks like something out of a bad movie it just it's heartbreaking yeah you know i've been to lahaina um i spent about 10 days on maui in 2016 such a beautiful place been oahu as well but um and the big island but Maui is extra special in Lahaina, so beautiful and just really feeling the the tragedy, right? Like mm-hmm. just seeing places, streets that I had walked and, um, you know, beaches, like just all the destruction and, and how quick it was, right? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, I guess when you're on an island, you're sort of used to that. You're trapped, right? Not, not, I mean, that's a little extreme, but you know, hurricanes coming, it's not necessarily easy to get off the island or a typhoon or any kind of storm like that. But to me, wildfires are always the scariest of the um, natural disasters because they just take off so quickly. They can turn at a dime and there's no just hunkering down, right? There's no hiding in your cellar from a fire. Mm-hmm. And just was really heartbroken to see all that. And I yep. um, hope that people heed the calls from uh, Native Hawaiians as to what is needed right now, which is space. We don't need to be all flocking to take our vacations there. 
and, um, you know, donations going to the right types of organizations that will make sure that the, um, the most needed supplies are getting to people because everyone means well, but, you know, this isn't the time to just clear out your closet and donate your t-shirts that you're not wearing anymore. It's not, you know, they, they need real cash. Yep. Yep. The Red Cross is one place where I know you can get some information, uh, redcross.org, uh, to find out how to help donate, uh, provide resources, whatever it is that you can. They've got a, a full entire section on their homepage uh, devoted to uh, Maui and the community there in Lahaina. So uh, check it out. I'm sure there are many, many others that are doing uh, incredible work trying to get together donations and uh, items that are needed for so many people who are displaced that lost everything. So uh, whatever we can do to help, we need to do that. Uh, helping coming together to help, you know, fellow Americans. It's certainly this situation and the time of need there in Lahaina. So um, we will forge ahead here on the Eco Right Speaks podcast. Chelsea, what do we have? Uh, what do we have coming next week? Do we know yet after this yes, ultimate we save? Do after the save, um, next week we are going to hear from George Buchanan. He is a founder of 2BK Energy Services. They do a lot of sustainability work. And so we're going to talk about this energy transition and how um, communities are moving forward toward being more sustainable and uh, the work that he does to help facilitate that. Well, that will be outstanding. Can't wait to do that. Next Tuesday, and don't forget, we come to you with a new episode every Tuesday here on the Eco Rights Speaks podcast. You can download, listen, subscribe via Apple Podcast. If you're an Android user, check out Spotify. You can uh, download, listen, subscribe via Spotify. If you're an Android user, you can go to our website, republican.org forward slash podcast. We have got every single episode a running list right there. You can keep yourself busy listening and listening and listening to eco right themes, guests, and everything else we have to bring you every single week. Right, Chels? That's right. I actually think it's a little easier to scroll through the podcast episodes from our website than it is from Apple, but um, um, or Spotify. But you know, you do you. Um, whatever platform is the one that is most comfortable for you is the one that's going to work the best. So um, get on it. Listen, you know, I, I told, um, I was recently interviewed for a podcast, um, for a new podcast called green tea radio podcast, which is going to be, um, launching on college campuses soon. And I made the big admission on that podcast that when I listen to our episodes, I tend to binge them all at once when I'm doing something like gardening, because I don't really want to hear the sound of my own voice. So I need to be doing something so that I'm not distracted by the sound of my own voice. And I know that sounds crazy, but hopefully you all like the sound of my voice because other, if you don't, well, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Uh, The soothing synthetic tones bring our listeners back every single week, Chelsea, and (laughs) they will bring us back again next week with episode four of the Eco Right Speaks. But until then, folks, stay cool out there wherever you are. We're almost at the end. We just got to continue to beat the summer heat for a little bit longer. A Chelsea. little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. We're almost till next there. till next week, we will talk <laughs> to you then, friend. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader. 